Kia ora koutou and welcome to this week's episode of Let's Get Sexual. I am Alicia and I'm the host of this sexually explorative podcast. Welcome to part two of episode five. In part two, Chrissy and I talk even more about communicating with a partner and how difficult it can be. Chrissy talks about how her and her partner's sexual languages can be so different and how it is a continuous process to try and get on the same page. We also talk about shame, how she has conversations with her children around masturbation, and how they plan on soon having the porn talk with their young kids. We do spend a bit of this conversation talking about white privilege, and we also touch on gender issues. This conversation took place around three weeks ago, at the start of the latest wave of Black Lives Matter that was triggered by the tragic murder of George Floyd by Minneapolis police. There has been a lot more global conversation, protests, and movements since then. This is an imperfect conversation between two sisters, and it only provides a snapshot of what we covered. I didn't keep this part of our conversation in the episode to educate anyone or to act as a spokesperson in any way. It's not something to be congratulated for. It's not something I'd usually even recognize. But normalizing these conversations is extremely important. So I thought, you know, why not keep it in there? Although the real work is doing it with people who aren't on the anti-racism journey yet. I myself am on this journey to be even more anti-racist. And I'm continuously learning how to recognize and check my privileges and use my resources to dismantle systemic racism and call out racist attitudes and behaviors. One of the really exciting things for me listening back to this episode is that even in the three weeks since this conversation, I have learned even more. I have challenged myself and it just shows me like we are all on this journey and it's about really getting comfortable with being uncomfortable, checking our ego and just being keen to drive this forward and doing what we need to do to make the change that is necessary. If you know me and you think I can do even better and you want to highlight ways I can do this, let me know and feel free to call me out. Just a couple of notes about this episode. When I talk about liberal people, I want to specify that I am referring to high socioeconomic white cisgender liberals. This is a bit of a long episode. I really did my best to cut it down. Truly I did. But sometimes you just can't cut it down anymore. So, enjoy our shit talk. It's hard because as women, I think we're always like, yeah, what's the next thing I could be doing? What's good for me? Or what's good for my far now? And it's like, well, actually, you know, we need to make sure other people in our life, especially our partners, we're also kind of doing that too. Like Kane and I had a big conversation off a blowout due to, you know, being in a pressure cooker through COVID-19. You're in the same space for quite some time. You knew it was going to come. We actually did quite well considering we only had this one massive one. But out of it, we got to the point where it's like, okay, these are the things I need to work on. I, I need to show my appreciation of you more. Cool. Recognize that. For Kane, it was, I need to check myself a lot more and actually be more self-aware which is huge for him because that's the thing that he has never really owned. Um, and so, you know, he, he can become more self-aware when you do something like mindfulness and trying to get someone like Kane to do some mindfulness is going to be some work. So I'm going to have to, you know, be there with him. And so that takes time for me to do that too, right? But I think it's worth it. I think it's an investment because if he can gain an inch in self-awareness, going to do so much for him and our relationship 
So, mm. yeah. Chicken in a year and I'll let you know how it went. Yes. <laughs> Love it. Good luck. Yeah. But then hopefully just, you know, going back to, you know, a sexual relationship, hopefully that works and that actually has, you know, that helps in that too. You know, it's not just for the relationship we have in regards to um, us as just partners. It's, you know, it's all parts of our relationship, right? It's holistic, right? It's holistic. If you're going to to open yourselves, be vulnerable with each other, turn up honestly and authentically, you're going to hold like a much better space for each other in all regards. And you're going to be more attracted to each other in multiple ways. Yes, absolutely. And yeah, and it's it's really helped, I think, actually. Um, He's really kind of stepped up and understood what helps um, and how he could actually contribute more by just being more self-aware of what he could own, which is great because it means that I don't have to nag him. Because what woman wants to be known as the nagger? No fucking woman. Yeah, unfortunately, that's the title they get given. Jesus. Um, None of us, like, woke up one day and we're like, oh, you know what I want to be in my life? I just want to be a nagger. Yeah, I really want to nagger just, you know, really piss them off. It's such good pay. The perks are really great. That's what I want to be when I grow up. (laughs) I'm going to take all my anger out on them because, you know what, that's that's what makes me feel so good as a person. Yeah, it's funny for me. I don't even, like, feel like it's – I mean, everybody's different. For me, it's not even anger. It's, like, frustration. It's just, like, how do you not see this? Oh, which, unfortunately, is portrayed as anger. Definitely. Whereas it's, like, actually, it's justified frustration. Okay? (laughs) (laughs) Use your eyes. Oh, your expectations are too high. No, they're fucking not. No, they're not. Otherwise, if my expectations were too high, I'd be doing it myself. Exactly. You're like, actually, my expectations are very low, so that shows you how low your bar is. This ain't no bachelor pad. Actually, it's amazing. So many bachelor pads I turn up to are just incredible. Sometimes it appears that some guys can be really clean, have their like life together and suddenly they get into a relationship and that changes and they get married and they have kids and it's like they don't always continue that way of life. It's like if Oh they- no, because the mother son complex comes in and it's like, oh, they're kind of like my mum. They're not because I can have sex with her, but you know, well I have sex with her. Yeah, which is- can. Nobody needs that Oedipus complex. (laughs) (laughs) No, no. But totally, it's kind of like, uh, I don't know, there's something in it. There is just something in it. And it's like, I ain't your mum. I want to help you. I don't know whether it's us women where we kind of go, oh, we're going to help you or we're going to, you know, We do like to be saviours. We do like to. Yeah, and that's like, that's a maternal thing. So whether they sniff that and then go suddenly, cool, all right, well, I'm going to fucking do nothing around the house and I don't, contribute. I don't know if it's as much a maternal thing as it is that we've been conditioned to seek our validation through how we contribute to other people's lives. Mm. And also society tells men that that's what women do around the house. Like it's only been this current, like this, current generation where that's starting to change and so the next generation coming through will kind of go oh no I think it's you know I think I am supposed to pull my weight around the house like 
question it a bit more. Yeah. You know, we all know what systemic sort of, you know, um, issues are and you can question it, but it, it, unfortunately if it's ingrained in you, it's really hard to change. Yeah, and it's about a balance, right, because we know that it is as harmful for men and other genders as it is for women. Mm. And and so it's about actually like by working through this together, we're actually benefiting each other. We're not putting ourselves in really limited little boxes that yeah. don't any of us, like, you know, men not being able to express emotions and be seen, yeah. accepted for that. You know, men mm. who are effeminate or are really incredible at showing these quote-unquote feminine emotions. But, oh, sorry, the soft skills. Soft skills. Sorry, the, the weak, the weak emotions. Is that what I'm hearing? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Those ones. Which we, yeah, those ones. Which I love Jacinda Dern for because she's showing empathy and being compassionate is not mm. weakness. Yeah. That's what builds my strength. And, and I love that because... It is so true. And so I really want to move from these genderizing of emotions and talk about how we all can embody them and how they all come yeah. to each other. Because if you have all the hard emotions without the soft emotions, you're going to be so unbalanced as a human being. Totally. And, and you can tell by, you know, male suicide rates that they are suffering from not being able to, you know, be in tune with their feelings. It's really hard. And, um, you know, Cain being the stay-at-home dad in our relationship, that he's been very open-minded to that journey and he's, he's so great when he's made his mind up, he owns it. Um, and so he's, he's done a great job with owning it but not really understanding exactly what would come his way. Like just the remarks he gets even from older yeah. women, like there's just they, they don't even – mean it and it's not until it comes out of their mouth where they just go oh well you kind of know what I mean like you know you're the stay-at-home mum and I'm like no he's a he's a you know the stay-at-home dad if you're going to call it anything but he's actually 100% all about looking after those kids of ours and that was the decision that we decided to make is that we wanted to make sure that we weren't going to have our kids dropped off early and picked up late just so we could have both of us working unless Kane really wanted to build his career which he decided he'd rather be the dad um and and be about the kids which is which is really good but it's hard for him to uh constantly push against society's norms but he's lucky in this day and age because it is becoming more normal than ever before which is great and you know Jacinda leading the way and Clark leading the way in that space really helps yeah absolutely but it it is hard right and it's finding I I don't because I mean if you look at from the outside look at Kane he can come across as I guess what society would determine to be a typically masculine man yeah and I do you think that's an extra added layer of shock or even judgment that people put on him when they and you and like your family totally <laughs> he's a builder yeah. and he, they're like wait a second this is not the type of person who becomes a stay-at-home dad yeah I, there's that for sure Kane's always been good though at not giving two fucks about what other people think he's like this is my decision I don't really have to justify myself to you which is a you know an amazing attribute that I've always admired because I'm the complete opposite um you've always cared what other people have thought and then 
then throughout later in life felt like you had to you had to learn how to justify it was never good at justifying or articulating why I thought of something or why I felt a certain way I knew I just did um but yeah then you're having to feel like you're having to justify yourself still feel like that today uh is hard whereas he just goes yes money your bloody business but we do talk about some of the remarks he gets and I I know when Kane and I were younger Kane would get mocked um, and, you know, those people that were mocking him may may have just been, like, kind of joking. Oh, I didn't take it as a joke because I, I knew how sensitive Kane could be behind closed doors, which they may have been privy to and then maybe didn't care about or weren't privy to. I don't know. I still don't know to, to, to this day. But for me, it was like, my Jesus, they used to get so caught up on that and so fired up. Um, and it's like, well, that's actually not my fight. So what Kane and I do instead now is we just kind of brush it off when we're in the situation, unless I could see in Kane that he would like it to be confronted. And then we talk about it through behind closed doors. So really, rather than me jumping to Kane's defence, we're talking about behind closed doors and I can get a really good understanding of how Kane actually felt. Because otherwise I'm putting my feelings in front of him where it was more of an attack to him. Yeah. Yeah, I want to get an understanding of how he felt about it. Um, yeah, but we've definitely had people kind of question the decision of coming up to Auckland and Kane feeling like, you know, Kane's put his whole you know career on hold or just, you know, stopped. And that was something that I think people from the outside don't appreciate how much time Kane and I put into that to make sure that we both felt happy with the decision. Yeah. Because I know I can, yeah, people see me as quite a forceful character, but I don't think they appreciate actually the respect we have for one another either. Mm. And so that's what, that's amazing because that's all Kane cares about. Yeah. That's awesome. Mm. That's super awesome. That's really, really cool. Yeah, it was really interesting. Like I'm just going back to the last thing I remember because it actually stood out to me. You talked about the mood lighting. And mm. it's really interesting because I remember reading somewhere that it's like if you like the lights off or anything when you're naked, it's because you don't love your body. And I was talking mm. to my boyfriend about this and I was like, there's something super erotic about the sleepiness and darkness. That oh, happens. totally. Like oh, 100%. Right before you go off to sleep. And I yes. love that space. I'm, I'm out of... I'm not like stuck in the yeah. stuff that's happened that day. There's, I'm not yeah. overstimulated from light. I'm that's not overstimulated it. by looking from all these things in the room. Kane yep. <laughs> used to, I think, last, like, was it last year? We got into a habit where Kane would wake me up at about, like, I'd, I'd, cause, oh, it was, I think it was, yeah, because I'd wake up so early that I'd go to bed early and then he'll come in. And before I think he dozed off, he would just try and feel it and see how it was. And if I responded, he was like, okay, cool. And I remember it was great because I'm like, not, I'm, I've got that kind of like free energy. I'm not ready to jump him or anything, but I'm definitely more relaxed, far more relaxed. Not kind of like I'm consciously there, but not full on, like you say, so you're not overstimulated. And it was brilliant. It was, yeah, it was really, really good. Need to get back to that, and I think that's what it's like. You take away the pressure. It was interesting. There was one time I asked, I asked the the person I was um, seeing for the vibe. They weren't really interested in having. They weren't really interested in having sex that night. 
And I was, I was feeling it. I was like, mm, yeah, I can feel myself. And I said, hey, look, I, I know you might be too tired to have sex, but would you mind if I masturbated like beside you? Like, mm. you know? oh, yeah. And I've actually yeah. don't think I've ever asked somebody before or like highlighted to them I'm going to do it. You know, sometimes I just have like a cheeky little masturbation session. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they were like, oh, no, yeah, of course, go ahead. And so, like, I started and I'm really getting into it. Like, mm, yeah. Right. And they started getting really into it. And I think it was yeah. like because the whole pressure had been taken off. It was like me exploring my body, loving it. And when you hear somebody else feeling pleasure, yes. it's, it's yes. erotic. You're like, wow, they're getting, they're getting off. And so they were just wanting to get involved but slowly it wasn't like there was no pressure it was just like they wanted to see what was happening see how they could join suddenly started feeling themselves and it just turned into one of my favorite experiences because mm. oh, I don't it was just two people really just going with it and I think that's what you yeah. just need to know is that going with it it's not like we've set a time for this or there's this pressure that this has to move to sex. It's like, Hey, mm. I'm enjoying this feeling of each other's bodies. And I love that you're feeling good. And I want to go. Yeah. I just want to see where this goes and it might go nowhere. Yeah. You just got to check in. And it's that really cool check in where you're like, Oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. I, I do actually recall that. And it was so good. Unfortunately now, I don't know what's happened since COVID-19, but something's happened with the kids. So they both join us at nighttime. Like by the time it hits half past 11 or midnight, we've got Adriana in bed with us. So there goes our sex life for a little bit. Um, so, yeah, so we're aware of that. Um, but, yeah, that was such a good space. That was such a good space. And I remember saying to Kane, actually, I like the lights off because it is. I I just I feel like I'm just away. Like everything's just blocked out, and I'm just in a whole other realm. It almost felt like freeing. So and so sensual, so sensual, which is all about. And Kane hated it because he's a visual person, so Uh. he's like seeing me, whereas I love feeling and that sort of stuff. That's, that's how the mood lighting came about, to be honest with you. I was like, oh, what can give us? Like, oh, maybe I'll light candles. And then I had the Himalayan salt lamp. And I was like, actually, I'll put that on in a bedroom. And that has helped because it's gentle enough for me and, and it gives enough light for him. Do you have you ever so, tried like blindfolds and things? Like for oh you? Oh, God, when we were younger. I like, wonder if even now, like, it's not even about making it kinky. It's just that you, he enjoys the visualization and you enjoy. Like you're trying to go fully into your body. And I think because you and I exist lots up in our head, not having yeah. the extra stimulus allows us to drop into our body more. And yeah. so actually I think like for me as well, I want to like wear blindfolds more and just do that because I know that that's going to help me just drop into my body. And also there's something so amazing. Yeah. Just about feeling like there's yeah. nothing else. You're just, where are they going to go next? Who fucking knows? Where will they turn up? And then you're like, Woo-hoo, yeah. that's feeling great. So Yeah. I don't know when the kids aren't coming to bed at 11.30 every night. <laughs> yeah, I'll put it on my to-do list. <laughs> yeah, that's the sort of stuff I would, I you know, need to probably put more attention into trying for yeah. sure. Um, but I, yeah, I need to get to the basic, just fundamentals of just finding that energy oh, and allowing myself to get to that point. I'm just, I'm so exhausted at the moment. Um, and you know, and a lot of it's to do with, I guess, where we are currently, uh, as just, you know, human beings yeah. <laughs> going through this world change. 
pandemic, you know, unprecedented times. Um, and, you know, when you are trying to make the most uh, and, and obviously everything's uncertain, all that sort of stuff just festers there. And, uh, and obviously it festers in your children too. So your children are experiencing a form of anxiety. They don't really know what it is. And I think that's kind of coming out in their sleep or lack of sleep. Um, yeah, so it's just an interesting one throughout these particular times how to... Yeah, how to manage it. But, you know, because at the end of the day, I'm sitting there going, I don't want to be in the category where I'm getting divorced or separated, and I don't want to be in the category of getting pregnant. Yes. So let's just work on a relationship, <laughs> and I might just be celibate throughout the whole time, but that's yeah. unintentional. Do you, like, touch each other without it becoming sex? Not even, you know, it's not even touching each other's genitals. Do you so, just touch each other's bodies? There's really good, it's a really good point. Um, it's a really good question. It's an interesting one. I remember watching a Red Table talk and um, there was, it's a really good Red Table talk about this and they had a couple come on and what, and I was such a aha moment because what had, what had happened is that he was, he had such a high libido, she had such a low libido that every time he touched her, she would cringe. She would literally repulse his yeah. touch because yeah. it was like, you're only touching me because you want sex and I can't enjoy your touch anymore because that to me is just too much of a chore. And so I was like, oh my God, that's exactly how I feel sometimes. Right. And you know, when we were younger, we definitely didn't have that. It was all about exploring one another and figuring each other out. And then we had that for years and it was really good. Um, and I don't know, I think, picking up the dance school and you know working really hard on that you know you start to see a change and then also having kids on top of that um yeah it turned into that it turned into you only touch me when you want sex and I had to talk to I actually showed Kane that red table talk um and he was like oh okay so it's it's gotten better but we're still not in that place where you know I, I said to him I love hugs I'm a hug person Come up and hug me more or don't just like the biggest thing at the moment is his way of showing affection which unfortunately makes me cringe is grabbing um like my boobs just like a grab of the boob or a grab of the ass it's like no I don't want that you know some people are turned on by that that's fine not me not me but just don't treat me like that I just want to be treated like an object that's there for one thing you want to be you want to be, I think you really hired before. And I I like, I don't just come yeah. along and kind of like, you know, brush past it or do something sensual with it, but don't just go and just, fucking grope it. Just about to say that because I've heard you say it a few times, the word sensual. And I yeah. think for so many of us, it's about, for me, I like, I like some uh, aggressiveness. I don't know if I started to think if, 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 if sex just became another thing of a to-do list, I imagine I'd start to hate the things that I saw as a trigger for that person wanting sex rather than just feeling appreciated and seen and being like, I'm yeah, that sensualness just, it's just another level. It's just like, I see you as a human being. I love how you're turning up today. And this is my thing of appreciation without expecting anything extra. I just want you to know that there's no expectation. No expectation. I think, yeah, and it's really hard because when you've got someone with a high libido and they're not getting kind of their needs met, sometimes they do it so unconsciously and unintentionally they don't yeah. realise the impact yeah. they're having and it's not until you 
communicate like i was saying you know you need to make sure you're communicating but you also need to give your time um to at least explore why do i respond like that why am i feeling like that and then once you acknowledge it then you can communicate it um and And, yeah because i was i always reacted to it and i was like why am i reacting to it and then i watched this red table talk and i was like now i know why i'm reacting to it because i just feel like every single time he's going to touch me he wants something and that to me is not it's not genuine touching yes you know, like that's not genuine and to me. That's more like it's just because you want something and you're, I'm not a fucking machine that you can just turn on like a flick of the switch and we've had that conversation too. You can't just go yeah. straight for the nipple or straight for the clit and think that it's like, oh, yeah, party time. And, oh, well, when I do it, you get wet. <gasps> Doesn't mean I am mentally there. Biggest no. myth ever is that yeah. a woman being wet equals she wants sex if there, if there was yeah. one of like top five things i could change in the world that would be a, that would be one of the myths i would eradicate and for mm. anybody who still thinks that that's a thing needs to go read that book i was talking about come as you are yeah. by emily nagoski and she talks about how it's got nothing to do with it your body is just preparing because your body has biological functions but it has got yeah. nothing to do with how like up and like in your mind and emotionally like what yeah. you want. Oh my God, sometimes I'm at work and I'm like, shit, I am wet as hell and I am not even thinking of sex. It is not even something on my radar. My body's just, I have no idea what it's doing. Maybe my underwear was a bit tight and was like pulling on something. I don't know. But, but you I know. I just put it down to discharge. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But she, she, I can't remember what she says. There are like two words. I'll have to look them up, but it's something about like response versus something yeah i can't remember but it is brilliant i remember it's like reading. Physiologic, yeah like it's a physiological response rather than a psychological response you know i mean like people just... who get raped yes get... yes and if you are you telling somebody because they like when they were raped that because they got wet they wanted it we have all been taught basically that that's a thing so i can mm-hmm. i can understand why kane's turn around and being like i'm so confused because we're not taught to ask we're not taught to ask hey how are you feeling? Are you are you wanting this? What 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 are you wanting in particular? We're taught these really basic bodily functions, which actually, which actually aren't true. So men are like, oh, is she wet? Oh, is she must want it. So what I'm doing must be working. Is, yes, yes. It's an interesting one too, because I think the other just going back to um, you know, the body grabbing and stuff. You know, when Kane or the body slapping, like slapping of the ass or whatever, and you know he loves the sound when it's like a good crack. Um, you know, I say to Kane, you've just got to be careful when you're doing that around the kids. Yeah. Like, it's a real interesting one. Like, I would rather you show to them what loving and caring looks like rather than treating me, you know, yeah, it turns you on and yeah, it's all fun and games, but actually how are the kids interpreting that? Especially when I see the video clips Adriana watches. Gosh. And, and I mean, that's what pisses me off because the songs are fine half the time, but the video clips are a completely different message. And oh, thank God she found the dance school video. She's now oh, all into those. That's not that at all. <laughs> and yeah. so, if, one if of the songs had a swear word in it, and I was like, how did that happen? But yeah. But the thing is, like a swear word versus like somebody being treated like an object. Totally. She doesn't like watching them anymore. Interesting, eh? And I think that's like when you see something on TV and then you see it in the home, you're suddenly creating all these patterns in your head going, oh, that's okay, that that's that something can do because and it, and it's, it's not the age. intention of gain, right? Like he's not coming with all that baggage of all the other shit, but like no. what children do, they see all these patterns and it all starts to create this big picture in their head. Yes. 
Yes. And so it's, it's almost like I said to Kay, as much you're going to hate it, but you're going to have to ask. Yeah. Or actually, better yet, start showing other things. Like he would used to, he used to message me, and somehow Jackson picked up on it. And Jackson used to come up and message my shoulders. You know, like yeah. So that you're right. They see things and they think it's okay, and so they'll yeah. go ahead and yeah. do it. And that's the reason I said to Kane, you just have to be so mindful. Mm. It's not okay. I can't have my kids thinking that that's okay. That that's how men treat women. Yeah. Because it can be so easily misinterpreted. And, and also, you need to understand that I don't always fucking enjoy it either. So I stop. I think that's the biggest thing. It's like the enjoyment. Because for me, like, I like a little bit of a, a good ass smack or an ass And like, in sex, I'm like, I do like it a bit rough. Like, not all the time. Yeah. But like, sometimes I get super in the mood. I'm, you know, smack me. Yeah, sure. All that stuff. But it's like a time and a place. And it's. And, it, it. and I think it's like the intention behind it too, right? Like, if he was to come up and kind of give me a good but grab, you know, without the kids around and then maybe, you know, give me a kiss or something. Like if followed with something, that's yeah. different. But, yeah, so it's – and it's an interesting one because, you know, for him, he's like, well, that's how I show my, you know, affection for you. And I sit there and go, but that's not how I'm interpreting it. So, again, you've got to communicate and find common ground, you know, because it's like, well, yes, I get that's how you like to give it to me, but you've also got to appreciate how I receive it. And you may have to change. You may have to change. Um, and then I've got to understand maybe if he's doing that to me, is he is that his way of saying that's what I would like done to me? So maybe I've got to do something like that because I'm not, I'm not very good at going up to him and doing stuff like that. I go up to him and give him a kiss, a kiss when I mean it and that sort of stuff. But I'm not one to go up and kind of slap a body part because I don't like it. Yeah. Right? So it's really hard. You only do usually unto others how you want like to be treated. That's how we were brought up. Oh, that's, oh, that's the, I remember that dad, like dad uh, telling us that message. Cause I remember he was talking about Nana getting cards and he's like, do you guys, you know, if you notice that Nana always gives cards, he, mm. he said you should give her cards because people usually do what they would like mm-hmm. to get. And I think mm-hmm. you're so right. It's paying attention. So, And it's thinking about what's your why. If Kane wants you to feel appreciated, if Kane wants to be like, this is me seeing you being like, fuck, I have a hot wife and I want her to know how I'm feeling right now. And then their why is I want her to see my appreciation. So he's got mm-hmm. to check in and go, well, how does she like to be appreciated? I want yeah. to show up like that. And that might yeah. be that he just holds you from behind and gives you a kiss on the cheek or he mm. goes, God, oh, you're just amazing. Or he does something that he knows you re- like resonate with. And also it's the same, you know, you going, okay, this, this is not something I would like go up to be like, you are fucking fine. And just, yeah, totally. But don't do enough of that. We we don't think about it because it's not something that comes on our radar. It's something we want. So I do think it's it's actively having to pay attention and and do things because it's about our why. It's not about the the tool we use to get to the why. It's about my why is I want them to feel how much I appreciate them or find them sexy or do any of this stuff. So what's the tool that's going to help them see that? Not how I usually like to see it. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah, and, that, and I think that's the biggest thing is understanding your intention behind it. Yeah. Yeah. Why Why do you, like, grab my ass? Oh, because I like the feeling of it. Yeah. Oh, check yourself. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I, think, I think for me, if I understood 
that there is an appreciation there. It's like, cool, well, actually, if you want to show appreciation, like you're saying, I would like you to show me appreciation by doing this yes. rather than that. And I think that would be quite an eye-opener conversation. I think it's something I would talk to Kate about, actually, because I don't even think he would look at it like that. I think I'm just making an assumption here, but I'm assuming that he would be like, well, I do it because I like it. And he'll try and cover it with, I do it because, you know, I you want to show you. But I think a lot of it's to do is because he likes to do it. And it's just like, well, you need to cut that shit out then because I don't. Yeah. It's as yeah. simple as that. But if there's something you want from me, maybe tell me. But I'm always one. I'm a shocker. I'm like, I won't do it unless you deserve it. <laughs> like, clean the fucking house and then I'll grab your ass. He'd be like, clean the house and all you're going to do is grab my ass? Mm-mm, get down on your knees. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I am, um, like, yeah, it's 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 really hard. Actually, I was wondering, because you've talked about, like, your communication and how you've worked on that over the years. Mm. How do you go about ha- having those conversations without hurting each other? And, and like yeah. being honest like how do you let's take practice well let's take in practice um i think i've always been one like kane will go into silent treatment he will just go no i'm not talking about this you know i'm hurt now or whatever and i don't know how to communicate whereas to me i have to i want to understand i need to understand and i want to be able to find a solution and just move forward so I think um, a lot of it's been through my own personal growth and then just saying to him, I want to communicate with you with this being the outcome. Mm. You know, so he understands also the junior communication. And then it's like, I don't want us to yell at each other is the, the other thing I make very clear. So if you raise your voice, you know, we're going to lose that. If I raise my voice, just, you know, at least tell me. Um, it's gotten worse as we've had kids. We, we can't keep a level... <laughs> level voice we escalate usually once or twice while we're communicating but um yeah it's really I think important when I find me uh, escalating I've got to quickly pull back and then just go actually I'm responding to the superficial stuff I need to be able to pull back into because I know I can do that um work into the why, why is he saying that stuff? There's there's a root cause and that's what I need to get to. I need to constantly go down to the root cause uh, or until I, I know that he understands where I'm coming from and I understand where he's coming from to then move forward. Yeah. So I have kind of like a process of identifying, making sure both of us understand how each other feel, finding the root cause on why we feel such a way. Why did we, why are we defensive? Why do we do a certain thing? And then going, how can we make amends or how can we progress from here? Yeah. Um, And so I guess it's really generic, but it's kind of, no matter what we're talking about, I've always got to make sure I cover it off in that manner. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise you you end up down rabbit holes and you get nowhere and you end up attacking and you get defensive and there was no point communicating in the first place makes things worse actually i like your uh i like the way that you state your intended outcome for the conversation Mm. at the beginning because it it's like well this is our goal and it's actually not a malicious goal this is yeah goal and let's focus on that goal yeah and then they've got a clear understanding as well of what they're getting themselves in for and do they want also the same outcome 
because if they don't and they don't understand why you need that outcome, then you have a different conversation altogether. Exactly, exactly. It's about really being as open and upfront as possible because if they don't know your outcome, you could both, like you said, be talking actually about completely different things and talking around each other. And then it's like, yes, where is this actually going? Because I don't know what you want from me right now. Yeah. And for me, like the growth on my, I must admit, RTT, the Red Table Talk has been great because they just bring so much for the forefront around your ego. And actually this is, you know, how you can hold a conversation and no one's perfect, but drop your ego and stop trying to put your expectations on someone else, all that sort of stuff. And it just, it brings so much to the surface and then it allows you, if you're willing to take that on board, it allows you to have a better conversation with your partner and stuff it's good it's really good stuff I'm really just yeah yeah I'm really trying to get better at managing my expectations of people and Mm. and it is really really a hard thing and sometimes you don't even recognize that the way you're turning up is because of how you like of how you expect them to act in a certain situation or how you expect them to be and it's it's really liberating for me as well like every time that I don't tell myself a story or that I don't have this expectation. Like I just turn up and be like, this person's going to be the way that they are. It's like, Oh my God, the pressure that it takes of me to, to try to like analyze all of that stuff is good. And it's good for your relationship with that person, whoever they are. It's, you know, you're turning up for them, not who you want them to be. Um, Yes. And then also taking the pressure off yourself on who you feel like you need to be. Exactly. Exactly. And it's, it's not a, it's not an easy thing, but you're right. And I, there are so many incredible tools and places out there now where these conversations are happening, like Red mm. Table Talk, like Brené Brown's yes. podcast. I am loving it. Like there was the most incredible two-part episode recently about how to apologize, like apologies and how most of the time we apologize. It's not an apology. We're just trying to justify our position or we want to get defensive. We usually say, I'm sorry. Like, I'm really sorry I did this, but you know, you had your own part to play or I didn't really like this. And that, but just cancels the fact that you try to take it like responsibility for something that you did. Mm-hmm. And actually you just wanted this space to turn up and attack them for something you actually feel uh, they've done. Right, you, yeah. we use apologies really to bring up the conversation again, and it's about that ego space, and it's going, what do you want out of this apology? Because if you're actually not wanting to apologize, don't apologize. That's it. And she's like, and if you want to apologize, make it about the apology, and then later when things are different, like have a conversation about the other stuff that you feel is unresolved. Mm. An apology needs to be an apology, and yeah, she goes through all these things, and I felt so attacked. I was like, oh my god. <laughs> apologies to manipulate and you're like fuck it's like my number one (laughs) manipulation tactic (laughs) love it though love it because there's so much to to that and not enough people are aware of it and therefore do it um because we're so driven by survival and therefore ego yeah and wanting to Um, be right is so much part of that survival totally I just it's yeah that piece is huge actually you're going to be found out sooner rather than later I I see humanity moving through wanting just people to be curious more than right I think you'll find that it's extreme what I've been told myself is that I've been seen as someone who has an opinion 
potentially feels like I'm right, but it's happy to be proved wrong. Yes. So always curious to be proved wrong and challenged. And someone said that's extremely endearing, which which I hear as obviously not not normal, <laughs> and not they don't see it often enough. Which is quite interesting. Now you know I can sure dig my heels in, and I've got to watch myself. But you know because I, I only show up like that in certain situations. But having that feedback tells me that's a, that's a way that most people would like people to show up. Yes. I have my opinion. This is the reason why I have this opinion. I feel like I'm right, but tell me your opinion and happy to prove it wrong. Or we just agree to disagree, but that's fine. We can still be acquaintances, friends, talk about other things, you know, like that sort of stuff. Um, and I do, I do see humanity kind of becoming more and more like that. And I think social media or 24-7 media has a lot to do with that because you know, plus this whole social justice piece, which is massive around the world right now. See, it's interesting because I feel like people have gone the opposite. Uh, I feel wow. like I see more people going, I've decided this because of this quick thing I've read and I don't want to hear your piece on it. And I, and I, you know, I've had, a, I have very strong opinions about many things, as you know, and it is, and I, and I'm, trying to work on holding space for other people's opinions and and not feeling like that if they have a good opinion or if they've got a well-founded opinion that, that that my worth isn't attacked right my value isn't attacked by somebody else knowing their shit and yeah. i not knowing their shit unfortunately and just can't see the wood from the trees yeah i mean i still do struggle with that particularly if it's got something to do with a social justice issue I there's only so much space I'm going to hold for your views because I've heard your views before all throughout history. I don't really need to create more space for them. Like you're allowed to have them. That's fine. I don't need to spend my energy on them. Yeah. And, and yeah. it's a balance because I do want to hold space for people, but I also, I, I don't, yeah, I, I don't know. It's personally, I think it's up to you and what you prioritize and what you want to get curious about. Right. Because totally. I do to get curious totally. about people's opinions and I do need to get curious about where they come from. But yeah, it's it's in a balance. It's like if I have but to. Most of the time, pain. I think probably already know where it comes from. And it's ignorance what? and lack of experience, and so unfortunately, it's really hard for you to probably even sympathise, let alone empathise. <laughs> well, it's funny because I really should empathise because I wasn't born. Well, I was born out of the womb being all loving, but yeah. my, my growing up caused me not to be, and. So I had the same thoughts that society has, right? I had racist thoughts. I had um, ableist thoughts. I had uh, homophobic thoughts. I had all of these thoughts that society teaches you to think. I was born in that society. And it didn't just like happen overnight where I woke up and was like, oh my God, shit, I can see it all now. So I I, like, I am empathetic that it's a journey and I completely support people on that journey. And I'm turning up every day because there is no way the work is ever done. So I recognize all the time that I turn up and I'm still a racist, right? Because I am, I, I benefit from the system. That's right. So I will always be upholding that system in some way. And so yes. I will work against it. It is, it's also recognizing like what, what you have and what the privileges you have in that being a mm. racist or doing that is something that you actively have to work against. Mm. Um, yeah. But because by saying nothing, yeah. I think I think that's that's the biggest issue at the moment. And I think that's where I'm coming from is, you know, back in the day, most people, because of the lack of um, exposure to it, 
there was a lack of discussion around it. So people were, you know, ignorant, really, because there wasn't much discussion around it. And also people were more in survival mode anyway, just trying to live and get through. So now I find there's far more exposure to it. And so, yes, you're going to have more people to be defensive and, and ignorant, plead their ignorance. But then you've got a whole bunch of people that are actually more so than ever before that go that are starting to check. Definitely. And go, you know, and and so therefore there's more people now as a part of the discussion. Yeah. And so yeah. you're gonna have more louder voices against it than ever before. But I think you're gonna have more voices for it. Mm. Um, and I'm hoping that they're the people that are, you know, bringing the next generation up. You're, have both. you're always going to have both. And when one gets louder, especially liberals, when the liberals get louder, you're always going to have the other side feel like they have to get just as loud, if not louder. It's just that on my, I guess in my opinion and just what I observe through, and it's media, right? It's only showing one thing, but conservatives seem to have the ability, and, and I mean extreme conservatives, but to act more like they act on their opinions. You know, yeah. so whereas I think a lot no of people holding them to account. No, but it's like liberal people, we're very good at talking. Yeah. But our action does not always follow through on what we're saying. And, and you know, you see it in voting. You see it rain, like yeah. you know, Brexit, it rained. So less people yeah. in London turned out and they're more liberal. We're passionate about what we talk about, but not enough that we seem to dip okay. out of our comfort zone. And sure. whereas conservatives seem to do that more they had this I don't know it's this feeling they need to act on these things and and the unfortunate thing it's like not saying all liberals are good because there's some terrible stuff happening out there in the liberal space and not saying all conservatives are bad because that good and bad is just very difficult for humanity it is it's it's hard to watch it's hard when people are talking about the stuff and acting like it's just an opinion your opinion is leading to somebody's death and, yeah. it, and I find it hard to remove myself from that. And I find it hard to talk about, oh, I'm just having a fun discussion or oh, get more rational or don't get emotive. And I'm talking about people's lives. I can't yeah. just disassociate myself. There's people's lives that are being affected. And, and so when yeah. I hear people I love and I know say this stuff and I know that they consume a lot of material I'm like are you consuming material that doesn't agree with you of course it sounds good to you because it's confirming your life it's validating Mm. the shit you learned growing up and your ego Mm. wants that your ego wants to feel safe it wants to feel yes that's what I've thought all along and you don't Mm. want to be challenged fact that they haven't learned anything more in this day and age like you need to go out and actively learn there's so much stuff out there it's not even that hard to find and they can't they can't convince me because I've been there I agreed with you 10 years ago but I've Mm -hmm. done the journey to get past that so you can't take me back to that earlier stage of my journey I can never unsee this again and I don't want to once again people are dying from this follow conservative groups yes. I follow conservative groups so that I remain aware because but I'm not unaware right. I live in that society like I know yeah. what's being said but I try yeah. to keep myself not in my confirmation bias bubble all the time yeah but I don't see them reading like um why I don't speak to white people about race like the amazing book I don't I don't see them trying to read things by people who aren't like them yes but that's but that's it's interesting because that's what I'm starting to see. I'm starting to see more people 
doing that, but it's very early on. That's so very good early still. on. It's it's oh, a it's, yeah. Right. It's great. We've got to start somewhere and we've got to help foster them. And unfortunately, I think this is where some of the older indigenous generations are going. It's not our job, but some of the younger ones are really passionate going, yeah, look, get it's not my job, but I have an audience now and I want to take that audience on a journey. And I feel like I'm the only one, you know, I'm one of a few that could educate right now because I'm so passionate about it. So I don't want to waste this opportunity where we have people who want to learn. And we'll sure we'll we'll hold them like we'll we've got to teach them how to hold themselves accountable, how to, you know, become a preacher themselves or whatever and that sort of stuff. So it's not always on us. But right now we've got an early you know, at the beginning of the way, early adopters to hopefully get to the top of the bell curve. You know, and I think, so I appreciate, I see mainly those wahini, I see them wanting to step up and help educate as much as possible and then kind of allowing them to go on their own journey and going, these are the places you could go to find more. But what they're doing is they're sharing their own stories. Stories are so powerful. I think that's, yeah, that to me is where I see the power because they're sharing their own stories. They're going, I'm not perfect. I'm not a, you know, an expert in this area, but the, this is how I was brought up. These have been my experiences. This is what I have to deal with daily. So they're exposing exactly. a lot. And we're like, oh, my God. Wow, you're getting told how to feel? Yeah. You're getting told how to feel about someone attacking you or using your you know, your image, for example. Yes. So that 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 is where I see the power right now. And like I say, there's not much happening to the point where it's everywhere, but it's there's pockets. But as long as the people are curious and kind of open wanting to learn at the same yeah, time as sharing their opinions, it's where it's when they don't and they go, Oh well this is what I think and kind of liberal, kind of not or whatever, kind of open, kind of want to learn, but really not. That's that's where I think some people are kind of like, you know, it's appropriation versus appreciation. Absolutely. I, you're right. I think I have a lot of um, compassion for people who are curious. and on I'm that person. Like, I'm that well, person. Right? on my journey. So I definitely know you have the space there. It's not that you're shutting it. It's not like you said to me, go on your own journey, Christina. <laughs> you know, oh, I've done well, mine. When go I on th- yours. When I think about like racism, I don't mind the emotional labor because I'm supposed to put emotional labor in, you know, because I'm like, I'm a white person. This is my role. I, I get, well, I get that, but still, you know, you could, you could easily still have that. Yeah, I guess, going. I guess you could. I mean, it's, it's yeah. an ability to have, but um, I guess for me, like you said, it's the ones, people who are shut off, people who are like, oh, cool, that's your opinion, but I don't think like that. And I'm like, okay, that's all right. But are you a person of the group you're talking about? yeah and if you're not have you gone to talk to people oh no no i saw it like one one person from that group saying this the other day so i've gone off that one so i put them in a box actually yeah that's the thing that pisses me off the most so if that person said it then they all think like that yeah because oh, because Jesus. this is what happens when we mind like when we um, yeah. oppress and minoritize a group we go one person from that group is the spokesperson for that group now when i talk yeah. about women's rights and when i talk about like gender equality i am not a spokesperson for women because there are what four billion of us on this planet and we all want different mm. things in our lives and mm. i hell don't want us to all have the same things i don't want us to be robots like yeah. you know so i'm being a spokesperson for myself and my journey and hopefully yeah. awareness for some things but i would hate 
for people to be like, oh, you're, you're speaking for women. Hell no. Stop no. doing that. Stop doing it. When a man speaks up, stands up, I'm like, I'm not like you're speaking for all men. Like we yeah. give the right to be an individual. Give everybody else the right to be an individual and be taken on their own merits. And, and that's the reason why it's so important to, um, when you're on your journey of finding your worth, it's how can you help others exactly. do the same so then they feel like they've got the power and the confidence to share their journey because it's worth, you know, there is worth there. Yeah. A lot of people yeah. don't think they're worthy to share their journey um, because it's not, I don't know, dramatic enough or, you know, and I think um, there's some great there's some great stuff out there at the moment where it's teaching people the importance of being able to identify and understand your journey and yeah. be able to tell it. There is so there is so much strength on that. Definitely, um, definitely. Mm. I love so, it. But still, still at least acknowledging some of the issues that you have and knowing that you still have to work through those. They're still very valuable. Exactly. Like they're still very important. You still need to work through those for your own self. Really. Yeah. I so agree with you about that. It's it's everybody's problems are valid it's just yeah, that sometimes it valid is the word I was looking for yeah and but it helps sometimes to go to put it in context like yes. it's not to diminish what you're going through that's not what it's about yeah. but it's not going experience hey, I don't need to understand I don't need to relate it's kind of like no there's a slight difference you may not be able to relate but you yeah. need to try and understand which is a big thing I think is happening at the moment with um few people that I follow again part of what Makaya Carr's doing but she's going through this appreciation versus of um appropriation you know multi-culture she's really really good and you know she's urging you know more than ever before Pakia to get uncomfortable you've got to you know what I love about doing growth in these areas and looking at your privileges is that when you you start to get used to that feeling of discomfort and actually start mm. it out because yeah. when you feel that you're like this is a growth area oh my god like yeah. because there are so many things that don't buzz me out anymore I'm like we're not taking it personally anymore we understand that we've got a responsibility but we weren't the ones that actually brought this about but we are the ones that have been benefiting from it so now we've got a responsibility to to break that. Yes. You know, and level up. Well, that's it. It's about recognizing what has happened historically and how yeah. we move through a lot. Like we might not have done that, but like you said, we benefit from the systems they put into place. Those systems are still uh, here. They still uphold uh, a lot of the institutional oppressions that they started yeah. back then. So it's not yeah. a clean slate. We didn't just wake up at birth and be like, this world is full of equality and we're all going to start yeah. from the same space. And nope. and it, it is about, it's about that like collective responsibility and people, it's like Judith Collins came out to, um, Oh my yesterday. God, don't, don't. Why are you attacking me for my ethnicity? <laughs> Word girl, get off the stage. Oh wow, you're finally feeling attacked. Yeah. Now. Imagine being born into that and always having to watch your back. It's quite interesting. And it's it. like you're just getting some people calling you out verbally. Imagine yeah. institutions upholding that. Yeah. Telling you that white people are less than. Because that is yeah. what everybody else who isn't white has to go through on a daily basis. 
Not only do they have to fight that verbal abuse, they have to fight that institutional, systemic abuse. They have to fight the insidious abuse. Every type of abuse. We don't have to teach our children how to behave when a policeman pulls them over. Oh, my God. And what I heard just broke my heart. It was like, we don't know the full story. We only saw half of the camera, like, bam, you know. And I was like, no, don't you start the shit. Are you kidding me? I was like... A beautiful, beautiful picture that came out that just shone light on it. There are these two white guys. One killed, I think it was like nine kids in a school. The other one killed 23. And they're just being politely handcuffed and taken to the... This, these two guys in the same picture, one was George, who supposedly, obviously, what was it, um, you know, frauded a check. And then had, a, had you know, just because he was black. He frauded a chick. Frauded a other guy was selling cigarettes in a fucking coffee thing or something. And he also got killed from a chokehold by a police officer. It's like, what the fuck? What makes you think that everybody's getting equal treatment? That proof is, the proof is right there. Oh, well, you know, actually probably 90%. I was like, where did that fact come from? Oh, well, there's an X percent where, you know, the, you know, a lot of black men do have guns and pull it out and cops are fearful for their lives. And I was like, because of the situation that's been created, but also where is the statistics to reach prove that? I was just, but also, I just couldn't. This is a man who is now on the ground. It is not armed. Not there's a lack mm. of humanity. It, it just, I I can't even put like a coherent sentence together about this because I just cannot understand the level the level of collective trauma black people go through or people of color in different situations. And I know a lot of people in New Zealand look at America and go like the United States of America and they go that's a that's a US issue. It's not like that here. Here they keep on telling the Maoris to get out and get off the benefit and start getting a job and if you did that you wouldn't have a problem. It's it's like our we have just as much racism here and and this is like my privilege showing and I recognize um like my my limitations speaking on the subject because I'm not a person of color in New Zealand but yeah the insidiousness of the racism in this country there are definitely overt racism but Mm. it's also super insidious and it's crazy because my friend from the UK is a woman of color and she came to New Zealand and she said it is so much more racist than the UK. She has wow. never felt so much racism in a place. I think where I have hope and obviously you need that to be able to create change and to build that momentum um, is at least we have a generation if not generations of people that are wanting to talk about it, wanting to learn about it. Like I think when Micaiah did a, an Instagram video with um, a Māori artist, they had, I think they had 2,000 live viewers. Yeah. You know, and the majority of feedback was, thank you so much for shining a light on this. Thank you so much for educating me. So it's not just people watching that experience it it's people watching that have never experienced it don't quite get it but want to learn and I think that to me is where I get energized knowing that there is a movement hopefully that will help to create some form of change a movement more than ever before yeah I I really hope so and I I think it's about getting up and recognizing that you've got to do your work to to learn you know it's not asking the most person you know 
to re-traumatize themselves by telling you their experience. It's not yes. about asking anybody of a certain group what their experiences are. There are, there are enough people out there who have made this their life mission to help teach others. Yeah. And they've created incredible resources and it's for us to go and find it. The emotional labor we yeah. expect of people of color or oppressed or minority groups to pick up and tell us. And you know, it's not even like teach us. It's to, it's to prove. Yeah. yeah. I want you to yeah. prove the world's racist. Oh, that yeah. was your experience. But is there enough data behind that? Like there's actually this really good book out that's about um, how data is sexist and it also ah. talks about other, like, and that's relevant to other minority areas. Right. Mm. And, and, you know, and I know that some, um, a woman I know, she works on bots. She works on bots and, mm-hmm. and looking at the uh, racism and sexism inherent in bots and how to work on that. And, People think, oh, algorithms can't have this because it's a it's a computer created by a computer. Who the fuck built that computer? That's Your right. biases in life are going to be built within these machines. Yeah, and it sucks because these women that create them or at least have an opportunity and are really passionate about this and get in face so much adversity. It is heartbreaking. Like I'm mentoring a lady at the moment within my workspace who has gone through hell and back and she just goes to me she's like um I just want you to mentor me because you just have such a zest for life and I love your attitude and the way you look at things and I'm like man are you kidding if I went through what you went through I don't think I had the same zest for life like you're having to drag your ass out of bed I said yeah I've been through my challenges I've had shit thrown at me I've had people wanting to fire me because of the way I work um and they disagree, and it's just like that's your own complex issues. But I've still been dragged through the mud, right? But not to the extent that she and her fellow woman in tech have to go through. And it's really hard because I had to listen to some women in tech that have been around for so long get up and go, I apologize for make it, making it easier for the younger generations, like female generations, because you don't know how hard it actually is, and therefore you don't have the resilience to be able to persevere through this. I know, it's heartbreaking because that's now how they see it. They go, we can't see change happening, so therefore we've made it, we've tried to cushion it for you, and so therefore you're not actually able to cope with what what actually you have to experience. And I'm just like... So rather than looking at the guys going, you are the ones that need to change, you are now putting it on the woman that they have to conform or get used to this treatment. I was like, fucking hell. And some of these men came up to me and were like, um, because I did a little speech being the um, obviously lead for Manawahine. It was International Women's Week. And some of these men of, of our contract team, came up and I think he was from Australia so I think he was kind of like the managing director or something and he just goes oh I just I don't get that there's a problem I don't see it and I'm like well you need to start getting closer to the ground then and start asking these women and hopefully they feel like they can trust you and they can open up to you and share actually how it is because it's not pretty no, and men no. need to start opening up their eyes and understanding it is hard and then people wonder they look at the end result and they go Oh, women just aren't interested in those areas. Those oh, my God. Alan Pease 
said that to a room of like, I don't know, 100 to 200 people, like women's brains aren't just wired that way. Oh, by that point, I was ready to stand up and walk the fuck out. And he's like, no, they're just not wired that way. Like, here's the science to back it up. Science from 1980. Holy shit. I was like, shit. Just no. And then, unfortunately, men kind of brushed it off and said, oh, it's because he's Australian. But then other men actually goes, yeah, look, he went too far with the sexist rhetoric, but he actually had really good science. And I was like, but that science is so dated. <laughs> like, don't do this. Don't this, do this. I mean, I love okay. it. Like, I love how, like, we go back to this stuff. I just really appreciate being able to talk about this stuff with you. I had a quick question. In a few of the last episodes, a lot of people have talked about masturbating as children and the impact that's had on them. And I was wondering, as a mum of young children, how Mm. have you navigated, like, has anything come up and how have you navigated that in a way that you think is as healthy as possible? Yeah, I think for myself as a mum, you're still learning. Like, I'm only five years into motherhood. Um, and you know, there's so much information out there these days. <laughs> you know, you could just go nuts and crazy with the amount of information that's out there, really. Um, so we, you know, yeah, we have, we definitely have had situations. And I think for me, it's not about shaming, but it's about educating and just, you know, finding out like, oh, you think that's nice, you know, why is that? And then, and then. You know, they, they feel like, oh, I'm going to get attention with this, so I'm going to go and be a bit silly with it. So that's where you've got to draw the line and go, you can do that stuff in your room. That's absolutely, so it's, it's like, I hope I'm not shaming by telling them to go to their room, but they've also got to understand there's a time and a place for it too, and this is not something that you go and start showing everybody, you know. So that's that's an interesting um, one that we're still yeah still very much figuring out um and I just sit there and I go man the day I tell them we'll have to try and educate them further on what they're doing <laughs> I hope it doesn't break because unfortunately you could just say like oh what you're doing or what you've done since you were three years old actually means this and and that instantly brings shame without even having any there's no tone there's no judgment on it on how you're delivering your message but with stuff that I've heard probably in life growing up, that means instant shame. And so it's just, yeah, how do you wrap that part into the conversation about there's nothing to be shameful about. You've got to own your body and what and how you respond to it. And it's, it's a really good thing. Um, yeah, so it's an interesting one that I do think about. That's um, a really interesting thing to highlight, I think, because of people have mentioned that they didn't really have an opinion about it until later when they learned more about it and then they felt the shame Mm. yeah that's it totally yeah totally you look and I think it's but it's also for me I know in my life um you've got to be able to educate them at a certain age so they don't start exploring with others or in situations where it's really not appropriate like really not appropriate. Um, and Kane and I were talking one day and both of us throughout our childhood found ourselves doing things that you would deem inappropriate and going, oh my God, we had no idea what we were doing. And there's shame with that now that you look back on it and going. With your adult mind. 
with your adult mind, your your educated mind. Um, and I don't, yeah. And so, and, and therefore, it is about having to at least acknowledge what they're doing. So at least they are consciously aware, and they don't feel like, um, oh, well, this is kind of cool, and I think this is what adults do. So you know, I'm going to start exploring it like this, or doing it like with this, and all that sort of stuff. And um, yeah, I think that's just the one thing I think about all the time. It's the reason I want to have Jackson and Adriana both uh, sit down at the you know, at the same table, essentially, with Kane and I, and go through a discussion together. I don't want to do it separately. I want them both in the same discussion. We're all open. I love and that. Hopefully, that will set the tone for future family conversations, um, which will be hard for them initially. Like Jackson doesn't even like Kane and I kissing. <laughs> Like he's going, Adriana loves it. She's like, oh, and then Jackson's like, Ugh. <laughs> um, you know. So, and I, I said to Kane, we're going to probably have to have this conversation sooner rather than we think. Um, yeah, I think the um, a lot of kids. I can't remember the statistic. It recently came out a year or two ago that a lot of kids are starting at the age of eleven seeing porn, even young, starting at mm. nine. So yeah, yeah. it is. It's 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 not something we're comfortable with, but it's actually going. This is a reality for many kids. That they are. Oh, I, I swear we're probably going to have to show it. Yeah. We're going to have to probably show them. And I, I, you know, certain like maybe images and stuff. And they respond, and hopefully, like by the reaction, you'll be able to figure out whether I've seen it before or not. Um, but by that, but then you are, you are exposing it to them in a safe place and you can therefore give context to it. And I think that's, that is what's most powerful is when you can give context and transparency exactly. to some things. And when you're talking about masturbation, I guess, you know, you do get concerned about them going off and trying to experience things with other people that is not safe. Totally. And yeah. it is about like a personal exploration. It's healthy, but make it a personal thing, you know, for now. Oh, yeah. And it's hard because like I look at Adriana and she kind of reminds me of me in some ways, like she sees what Kane and I do Um you know, even with the kiss where it might be an open mouth kiss. So she's like, well, I want to be an adult, so I want to do an open mouth kiss. And it's like, oh, God, not a child. Like, no. Like, so, you know, she wants to hook up with her dad. (laughs) She's got no idea what that means. She just thinks it's affection and attention. So it's really like that sort of stuff is really hard because you don't want to be like, no, you don't do that. It's, It's just like that is for when you have a partner and you are older and all that sort of stuff because you know she hates being told she's a child yes and biologically like we are taught to be like we are a sponge when we're young we're taught to become like adults we're taught to speak like them Mm. how are they supposed to know this is an area you don't emulate until later you know they're just trying to learn how she's going oh it looks like they're enjoying each other through this and I want to ex- them to experience enjoyment with me. It's yeah. not sexual at all, and it's so hard. No. We do. Yeah, come there's up with nothing me. sexual. No, and and we come up with our adult mind, and we can really ruin children by our reactions. It's so hard because we have our own trauma to go through. I, oh, yeah. you triggered a memory in me, which is very shameful for me based on my adult mentality because at the time I don't think I was shamed I remember teaching a friend how to masturbate when I was quite young over clothing we didn't show each other our genitals I don't think but like teaching her how to rub herself like or I showed her that I rubbed myself and it was really enjoyable and I was like oh my god I found out this thing I'm sharing a new thing it's like I'm sharing a new toy right yeah it was exciting this feels really good you should know all about it 
Yeah. Exactly. And I look, I can't remember because I've shut off this piece of myself. I can't remember if we like, mm-hmm. did it to each other to see if that would work as well. Probably did. It's probably something I've just got in a box, a yeah. um, shame box. But it's hard to look back and go, I can't put that level of my adult self in my kid self because I didn't have my adult brain. But it is really hard That's for us to do. All you need to do is review the situation and yeah. accept it for what it was rather than relive it. Because yeah. trying to relive the experience with the mind that you have now, of course, that's where the shame comes from. Exactly. Um, like, yeah, like I remember being, I must have been six or seven, trying to, you know, here I'm telling you about Adriana, I think I'm pretty sure I tried to do the same thing to dad. And dad was just like, no, 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 you don't do that. But I was trying to do it like open mouth without any tongue on. <laughs> Kind of like that sort of thing as a kiss. It's like, what, is that what you still do? That, is that your go-to? Yeah. yeah, 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 totally. Well, I didn't hook up with my friend when I was 11 trying to learn how to do a French kiss. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, you did listen I to had that in your podcast, and I was like, damn, girl, I think it's the Teddy who couldn't kiss back. No, we were full time. Yeah, it was it's so bizarre looking back at like what you used to do with your friends. <laughs> oh, I was just too, I, yeah, conservative. I was very conservative. Didn't I have think, friends I didn't have stuff with. I don't think I ever wanted to be bad at something. I've never been good at being bad at anything. Right. So I want to turn up and be good at this. It, like I said, it didn't do anything for me with my first actual kiss. Mm. Well, I mean, you know, they were my first kisses, but my first, this means something kiss. Mm. It was terrible. It's like I sucked his face off, basically. It was, <laughs> I was so nervous and there was so much pressure. I was the worst. I got very, I got a lot better very quickly because that relationship wouldn't have lasted. It lasted five years, so it must have been, you know, I must have gotten better. It was just a blowjob. It was okay. But I was like, I am going to nail blowjobs after this because I need to be the best. I just felt so much pressure That's to so be funny. the best. Well, it's interesting. Like for me, it was I just let Kane teach me. Yeah. I allowed myself to be taught. Um, yeah. But, the, you know, so I didn't have really have the pressure on me because I was like, I'm, you know, I'm figuring all of this out and he's going to teach me and I love pleasing him and all this sort of stuff. Now the pressure's on more than ever before. <laughs> Because someone's really enjoying his porn. And so, you know, that's where it gets, that's where I just go, oh, fuck, I hate this porn shit because it's so unrealistic. And so I become really repulsed by it. And therefore, the you know, I just rebel against it. And so therefore, it's like, well, you're going to get fuck all. <laughs> you know, don't put that pressure on me because I just, I don't like being uh, expected to do something at that extent or to that level or whatever uh, and it also sucks because I get compared to my 16 year old self yeah that's shit yeah so it's like you know and, and I don't think he means to do it at all but he's like damn you know I got this when you were 16 and now I don't get it at all like you know it's like yeah you last all of two minutes rather than yeah so I I sit there and I go look I would love to get back to that place where it's all about pleasing you and that's you know that's part of it um, in regards to you know, he's really keen to try and please me, and I just sit there and go, oh, just I don't need anything spicy or whatever. Just you know, yeah, I just want to not, you know, be conscious, <laughs> which sounds really bad, but you know, not just be overly stimulated. I just want to enjoy it. Um, and yeah, but so, you, you know, don't want it to be in your head. You want to be bodily yes. conscious, but not like bodily. Yeah, 
in the head. That's it. Well, you want to be so, like you know, awake, but you know, yeah, yeah, that's right. Because <laughs> otherwise, yeah, they were talking about something else, and I yeah. don't. Yeah, that's yeah. So that's an interesting journey that we're kind of on as well. Is you know, hopefully one day we'll never be what we were, but it'd be nice that we have the time and have the energy and have that you know want that need and want to do that which is not there like it used to be and that's just because of the situation that we're in and so I just yeah I have to keep on telling myself that and telling Kane that that just because we're in this place now doesn't mean that that's our life forever yes just you know we only have kids you don't really have your children for 10 years and then they turn into teenagers and that's a whole other beast I've heard um yeah yeah they're going to boarding school Mm -hmm, mm mm-hmm um no so I think yeah so that's that is another thing that I'm constantly having to remind myself of because otherwise the guilt comes in and it's quite interesting I'm refusing to allow myself to feel guilty anymore because I've carried too much of my life yeah so so yeah so uh, but if I'm going to do that then I have to take Kane on that journey too and make sure I communicate that with him like you know I feel that, you know, I appreciate where you are, where you're coming from, but I don't think we're going to solve that anytime soon. So we just have to kind of find a common ground and a medium that we both feel comfortable with. And then we will revisit this in X amount of time. So for us, it might be in a year's time um, or six months time. You know, a lot of it is dependent on the kids sleeping. Like so much. Like, you know, I don't think I've, properly slept since Adriana was born that's a long time that's a long time it's almost five years so you know like that of course it's going to have an impact on multiple facets in your life including sex and I think um yeah that's where you kind of have to have a reality check and go hmm am I the only one that's experienced this for the last five years to my extent, absolutely. Kane's just probably recently picked up on experiencing the broken sleep. Um, and so now he can kind of relate to it, but he hasn't had five years of it. No, it's a different having it such a long term. Like you're not going to be anywhere in a state. Like I, I just, I don't even know how you have anything that you have, like in terms of turning up in life and, and trying to, Please yourself and please your husband. I well, something I, gives. It's called the sex life. <laughs> yeah, but I can't even fucking handle my life with two or three days lack of sleep, like five years. It's well, unfortunately, it becomes a norm. Yeah, unfortunately, it becomes yeah. a norm, but that's where you start to have long-term health impacts, right? Absolutely. How can your body even function? Oh, it's just incredible to me. It's but it's bizarre. It's fucking bizarre, but it's amazing at the same time. Damn, our body. yeah, the light. The kids literally suck the life out of you. It's interesting to me. You know, you would be running so much and doing all the shit. The fact that your body could do anything other than drag itself through the day. <laughs> the running was what kept me sane. To be honest with you, yeah, that means the reason why I miss it so much. Yeah, mm. definitely. All right, mm. I have a last question for you. I mean. Yeah. I'm- the hours but i have a last question have you ever had one of your kids walk in on you and came oh, yeah. having sex and tell me about that experience <laughs> um i don't think we ever have to the extent of us you know they're like what are you doing like we have never had that 
yeah. I think, you know, we've always just pretended that mummy's lying top of daddy or daddy's lying and, and tickling. I think we've always kind of been like, if they walk in, we're pretending we're tickling one another. Um, and the sheets are kind of always over us. And I've always been one where I hate it. If one of the kids are awake and the kids are out somewhere, one is usually like, I can't get turned on right now. Whereas Kane's like, nah, come on, let's just do it. Because like, they'll walk it, they're too young, who cares? I remember walking in on mum and dad. That's That was you know, more traumatising to me. <laughs> I was like, oh, how can I unsee this? <laughs> I know exactly like what's happened. Hey? Was it like full on? Uh, I, uh, full on enough for me. <laughs> um, I think mum was just like, next time well she's forgotten that because i was having a good old time on my sp2 the other (laughs) other week and if you haven't heard an sp2 it basically sounds like a wash it's it's crazy it's very loud it sounds like a washing machine or like a very loud (laughs) and it's quite hard to turn off it's not just like a quick you have to hold the button down Anyway, yeah. she's comes into the room without freaking knocking. And I'm just sitting there with my hands down my pants being like trying to push this button. And she's looking at me and I'm looking at her and she's looking at me. And I'm like, <laughs> finally get it off. I leave my hands down my pants. And I'm like, cool, mom, that sounds really awesome. Yep. Okay, cool. Thanks for letting me know. And I'm like, you knock. And it was just, oh. All right, so she, so she forgot that. I thought it was hilarious because it was funny. But it was also really annoying because I was, I was like, I was doing like orgasm. We were rolling through your orgasms back and forth and I was really trying to experiment with some stuff and it was going well. And I was very turned off after she came in. I was like, I'm not going back to that shit. She could come in. I don't think she would. I think she's, I think she knocks quite a lot now. I used to be under their bedroom and I used to be able to hear them. Oh God. Which great, which is great because it's like all for you, all for you. So happy for them. Don't need it. (laughs) I remember being was was eleven when Mum and Dad, Mum got pregnant with Josh, and then announced it to us kids that you know we're going to have a brother or a sister, and that was when I was really learning about the birds and the bees at school. And so I was, I think they all got us from my memory, which could be wrong, could be dramatic, but from my memory, we all had to hold hands. And I was like, I've got some news for you. And she's like, you're going to have a baby brother or sister. I fucking dropped those hands. And I was like, oh, mum and dad still do that? Like, no, was my first thing. Like, ah. And I just want you to remember what age mum was when she said that. She was 35. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that brings it to life. Thanks, Leish. Oh, you better be looking yeah. at stopping soon, Chrissy. <laughs> <laughs> and hearing them telling Kane, there's, there's, there's spice will come back. The spice will come back. Oh, God. Might want to start fun. using yeah. some contraception, otherwise you'll have a mum and dad moment. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. No, we're fine. We're fine, <laughs> I told Kane by the time 35 comes around and both of our kids are, you know, fine, healthy, everything's good, then he is, uh, yeah, getting the snip. Getting the snip. Yeah. Um, yeah, man, I've just, I've never had good experiences with the pill. I don't like any other 
forms of contraception, to be honest with you. Nothing's really, really been repulsed by them all. So They're all shit. They're all shit. Yeah, well, it sucks that it's all on women to start with. It's um, We either have to pump ourselves full of hormones. The only one that's not hormonal is the copper wire, and it gives you very painful periods and yeah. it's supposedly quite painful to put in so yeah, yeah the fact that we have to insert something in our body and then have to get it taken out by somebody else other than us is pretty shit and yeah. then the only thing a guy potentially has to do is turn up with condoms which they don't do half the time yeah and also condoms make sex feel shit I, times I wouldn't even be getting sex I'm not going to turn up and I don't want to put a condom on to have mediocre sex that's right that's right word yeah preach sister because seriously I'm the same I can't I yeah condoms and me have never been a thing yeah neither <laughs> terrible as soon as, as soon as Kane got tested for STIs or whatever it's like cool let's just get rid of those things thank you yeah. don't. I don't adv- listeners I do not advocate for this like Lucy <laughs> and Kane have been together yeah. for a very long time and this is okay <laughs> I probably have been quite unsafe through my sexual <laughs> I'm very lucky I've like I realize I have the luck of some very powerful gods up there this has been such a blast thank you so much this is gonna be great thanks for having me it's just been so nice this is nice to get the space to talk it's really it, is. it and is and kudos for you for creating that space it's awesome <laughs>